my name is Julie Turney, and this is the HR Sound Off Podcast Show, the show created for HR and business professionals to discuss pertinent topics and trends as it relates to our professions. We're going to have amazing conversations with HR professionals from all over the world, get to learn their origin stories. How did they get into this profession? What do they love about being here? And how they want to set the record straight on that one misconception that really drives them crazy about our profession. Are you ready? I'm ready. Then let's sound off. Everyone and welcome to today's episode of the HR Sound Off Podcast Show. My name is Julie Turney and I am your host. How are you doing today? I hope that you're doing well. Remember, the HR Sound Off Podcast Show is created by an HR professional for HR professionals, magnifying HR voices. And today with me is Daniel Space or Dan from HR, right? Yes, yes. Hi, Julie. <laughs> Hi, it's an absolute pleasure to have you here today, Daniel. Thank you for joining me. How are you doing? Very, very good. And thank you so much for inviting me. The pleasure is all mine. Oh, you're absolutely welcome. So I found you on TikTok. I absolutely love your, your content on TikTok. And I was like, okay, we have to have a conversation because there's so many things that you talk about, but I think it's really great for other HR professionals, recruiters, to really get to know who you are at your core, share a bit of your story. So and first question off the bat is, tell us a little bit about who is Daniel Space and how did you get into recruiting? What are you doing now? Sure. Um, so I started in HR as an HR assistant for American Express after college. And the only reason I knew about human resources was from like those old Dilbert comics that were like really popular in the early 2000s. And other than that, I honestly had no intention of joining HR. I didn't know what HR was. It was just the first place to give me a job. And when I realized and saw mm -hmm. how important it was, I really fell in love with it. And I decided to go back and I got my master's in HR. Um, and then I went down the, the path of an HR business partner. So I started working, WebMD was like the first real role that I had where I went from like an HR generalist to a manager to a business partner. Then I went to Electronic Arts and then to Spotify. And then in 2020, I decided to take a break from corporate America and open up my own consultancy. And that's when I started making content. Um, a lot of my content is focused on recruiting, but I'm not a recruiter. I work a lot with them. I'm very familiar with their job family. And I decided to start making TikTok content to address really bad advice about recruiting. But my space is really in the HR business partner space. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. Sure. And it's interesting. I just want to go back to what you said at the beginning, because I think this is the fundamental question. When you get that question, what do you want to be when you grow up? You never say, oh, I want to be in HR. No. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, pretty much like you said, it's not one of those things that's on your radar. You want to be a superhero. You want to be a doctor or a lawyer or, you know, you want to be a policeman or a fireman. Um, you never really think about being an HR professional as a young person. Right. And it is one of those things that I would love to see us change that perception. But what are your thoughts on that when it comes to how do we really inspire and educate young people on HR as an option for a career? So I like, of course, I'm an HR nerd, so I want that. And I really think that that making it far more available in high school and college is a great first step. 
But I mm-hmm. think there needs to be a little bit of overhaul education as a, as a whole, because when you ask people, especially kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? They're only familiar with the things that they know, which is like, oh, doctor, lawyer, actor, or YouTube influencer. No one wants mm-hmm. to be like a procurement analyst or a market research coordinator because we don't know what those roles are. <laughs> But many of us are going to get into those roles when we graduate college. So having that exposure earlier and having people be a little bit more informed, because I think so many people fall into their corporate role and they stay there because that's the only type of other work that they can get. I absolutely agree with you. And thank you so much for sharing that. I do think um, educating in our schools a bit more about the profession is important. And in the colleges outside of like job fairs. I really do think that that really is important for people to get a sense of who we are at our core as HR professionals, but also like telling our HR stories of how we got into the space and the fact that we didn't think that we would be there initially. I think that's a good way as well. So I totally agree with you. Thanks for sharing that. Sure. So let me ask you, when you talk about the content that you share as an HR professional and in terms of what you share as a recruiter, you are seeking to fill a gap because there are a lot of lots of misinformation out there when it comes to recruitment. How did you get started? In making content? Yes. Oh, so this is <laughs> this is kind of a funny story. <laughs> so I've I've developed a reputation, which I hope I've curbed a little bit, about being mean. Like I was accused of being a jerk um, the first few times I'd made content. And I was kind of okay with it because people were like, you're a jerk, but you're telling the truth, um, you know, and, and you're offering value. I got mm-hmm. so fed up. And I think, um, you know, I'm old enough to have been employed in 2008 when the first market crashed and no one could work. And working, especially in HR at that time, gave me a great deal of visibility into how tough the job market was, as well as just real good understanding of how companies hire. So when that happened again in 2020, when the pandemic started, to see these people that had two to three years of experience out of college that were calling themselves recruiting influencers and job search coaches and job search strategists and were giving some of the worst advice I'd ever seen and charging people two to $300 for it, people who were desperate, who didn't know any better, um, it just absolutely infuriated me because this is someone's livelihood. Yeah. And so the um, for a month, I was on TikTok with no intent of ever creating content. I was just there to kind of bond with family. And mm-hmm. someone sent me a video saying, hey, can you verify this is accurate? And it was this, oh, my God, I still remember her. She was like two years out of college. She was a marketing coordinator for two years. She took one online class about how to become a career coach and was giving them the worst advice I'd ever heard about how to negotiate a salary. And so I... Now, I didn't know anything about TikTok etiquette. Um, so I did like, I didn't, uh, so I learned how to do a stitch right then and then. And the first video I've ever made was me saying, please do not listen to this person. This is really terrible advice. Um, this is why, this is how. She, of course, had like 25,000 followers. She sent a bunch of them after me. I had a bunch of nasty people in my comments. Um, but the I got one message from someone saying, thank you. I was about to take their advice, but it feels like what you know what you're talking about. Please make more content. And that's how everything started. So I started with a reputation of um, debunking bad myths. Uh, and I focused primarily like on recruitment and on the job search, especially because 2020, that's what everyone wanted. Um, and then ever since then, it's just been about uh, essentially how to navigate corporate America and whether or not that's promotion, compensation, recruiting, as well as the HR career track itself. Those have been like my issues. Yes. And that's what we're going to talk about now. Right. Thank you so much. <laughs> but thank you so much for sharing that and, and thank you for being here and holding that mantle in that space of you know wanting to correct a lot of the misconceptions that people have 
around recruiting, around HR and who we are, what we do and the value that we bring to organizations. So you started your career at the bottom. You started as an HR administrator. You worked your way up through the HR business partner path for people. And I'm glad that we're having this conversation because I feel like I don't have this conversation enough with men in HR. Oh, really? We're a little rare. Really, really. But you guys are rare. Like it is, it is a female-dominated profession, so it is good to to have guys on and having these conversations. What advice would you give to persons who are looking to develop and grow themselves in the HR space? Because I feel like so many of my clients, as a coach, get stuck in that role of being an HR manager who does a little bit of admin, who does a little bit of, and as a generalist, you're doing so many different things. You drop so many balls. What advice would you give to people about moving their careers forward? So my biggest one, and I can't say that this was pre, um, that I did not intend for this to happen. This sort of happened when I look back, I'm like, oh, I was really fortunate that I had the right person at, at the right time. So WebMD is where I spent almost six years. And when I started, I was a senior HR generalist. Mm-hmm. When I left, I was an HR business partner. And so that was like the most development I had ever had. And for me, it was having a mentor who was uh, a senior HRBP director. And she just deconstructed everything that I thought about for HR, where I thought my value was in doing everything for everyone, having, you know, being known as the go-to guy, uh, building an internship program, mm-hmm. um, h- helping employee relations, and she was like, none of those are what an HR business partner does. And I was, at first I was offended. And then when I realized, I was like, actually, you're kind of right. And she, when she told me, you know, an HR yeah. business partner is someone who, who is a, a, a trusted advisor to the leaders who can bring value through leveling up their managers, as well as in-depth org review and org design because of how well they know their business. It was a very sobering mm-hmm. and very humbling experience. Um, and especially because like she had wanted me to try sales. She said, I think sales is going to be one of the easiest ones. You've already developed the great relationships with there. So instead of going and wasting mm-hmm. your one-on-one every other week, reporting on employee relation issues, see if you can understand what it is that sales is going through. And the first three one-on-ones I had with the head of sales, mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't know anything about this. I don't like, I don't know what you guys do. I don't know who your clients are. I don't know what your sales cycles are. I don't know what your biggest, like, and that just helped reset me as it related to, okay, like the real value of an HR business partner is understanding and focusing on the element business. Um, so to anyone who's like a frustrated HR manager or who has the title of HR business partner, but is sort of relegated to the admin work, mm-hmm. my biggest piece of advice is understand the business, understand what a sales cycle is, um, talk to the leads, and then talk to people at your level who can explain what product does, what what your product is, what your product life cycle is, what your social media strategy is, who are your customers, who are your clients, what's the new product features that are coming out, what are the biggest issues that are happening within businesses. And when you start to absorb that and start to understand that, and then you can apply high-level HR practice and consulting as a result of that, all of a sudden people will fight for you. And they're like, oh my God, now I understand how valuable you are. If you, if you really want to grow within the business partner space, you have to focus on building business relationships. Why are these things important in terms of knowing the business of the business? Because a lot of HR people get stuck in the, let's go in, get in the organization and let me just create products and services. Right. But they don't want to take the time to know their business. Why does that matter? And I think what's, (laughs) 
I'll even go one step further. And I got into a little bit of a disagreement with several HR people who talked about um, building relationships. And she was like, I don't necessarily have to get to know the business mm -hmm. as long as I build the right relationships. And I was like, I disagree. I think understanding the business is actually going to be a little bit more important and it will inform your relationship. Because if you can go in and speak mm -hmm. confidently, I can go into the head of engineering at Spotify when I work with him and talk about what machine learning was doing, how machine learning was integrating with product, what our last two product updates were, what our biggest bug and features were, what our A-B testing was revealing. Like I built credibility with him. So he knew we could talk business-wise. And I think one of the most important things, and I think all leaders do this, is all leaders are good salespeople to HR business partners. They want to sell us on why they need a million heads, on why everyone needs to be promoted, on why they're essentially making decisions regarding personalities versus on business strategy and for us to push back on that to say wait a minute you know this doesn't make sense to do this because i know how this organization works um i just see them get so much respect for it. and mm -hmm. i feel like that just really highlights how valuable that we can be that it's not about us responding to what our leaders yes. want versus um, one, proactively bringing strategies to them and two, just poking holes in when they're doing the wrong thing. And that's it. Yes. So we can really, if we really take the time to understand, we can get into the minutiae of the business and what people really need and if they really need it and we can push back if we need to push back. Yes, absolutely. That makes perfect sense. So thank you for sharing that. Sure. So, What's giving you joy and excitement in HR right now? Oh, man, there's so much. Um, I personally am in, I don't want to say I'm enjoying. I, I don't enjoy anyone being laid off. I am enjoying right. seeing how companies are now looking at their organizational structures and design so that they don't have to do layoffs. Because I think so many companies right after, yeah. right after the other, especially in tech, started to announce layoffs and it's the fallout of how negative that is, is impacting other companies mm -hmm. to say, how do we make sure we're not in this spot in a year? Um, how do we make sure that we're not laying yeah. off 10,000 people, 12,000 people? Um, so one of the things that I'm really seeing that a lot of people are asking me for is guidance on how do we, how do we build an organization that will minimize our risk of having to do layoffs? And that sort of awareness, I'm really mm -hmm. excited about. I'm excited about it too. I'm sorry to see um, the way that things are being handled, especially in the tech space. I think we were all a bit hurt, sad at the way that terminations happened, happened at Google. And I think there are enough, there's enough stories across social media that can really help you to see how we don't want to be doing these things. Absolutely. So what advice would you give to HR professionals who may be stuck in organizations that are expecting them to terminate in inhumane ways? So I would really, really double down on our ability to influence. Um, I, again, got into a little bit of a disagreement with someone um, because she had said that she works for a company where you can't really talk about the fact that you want to look um, at for another role at another team because the managers will try to block it. Um, and I was like, I, you can't change who people are, but you can use your ability and your position to influence. So I would have some really tough conversations with their managers, if not their managers matter, and just go up the chain until you get someone with rational, logical sense that says it makes no sense to try to penalize people for wanting to join another team. Um, this is some very mm -hmm. backwards thinking. It's self-defeating. 
Um, how do we get to a point of, if not willingly embracing it, of at least making sure that we have a formal policy? And if not, are, are, are you as leaders ready to talk to your employees and say, hey, we do not want anyone to grow on any other team because you're just going to shoot yourself in the foot anyway. So may as well be honest about it. Most people underestimate the power of process. They stick it in the back seat and forget about it until it's too late, but they shouldn't. Processes run the world, literally all of it. Stocked supermarkets, on-time trains, and safely landing planes are all made possible by systems of intricate interlinked processes. They are the secret sauce of every great company and HR teams are responsible for some of the most important processes of all. Onboarding employees, building teams, crafting culture, these vital systems are the lifeblood of every organization. That's why this episode of the HR Sound Off podcast show is brought to you by Process Street, the process platform of choice for HR teams around the world. Process Street is a no-code platform that lets you transform your most important HR processes into powerful workflows. Design beautiful employee onboarding experiences with extreme engagement that increase inclusion and reduce turnover. Sync tasks into Slack or Microsoft Teams, automate emails, handoffs, and so much more. Thousands of teams, large and small, trust Process Street to manage their most important people processes, like Salesforce, that use Process Street to onboard all the 3,000 Slack employees after the $27 billion acquisition. You can learn more and sign up for a free account at www.process.st. So what advice would you give to your younger self now entering the HR profession for the first time? It would be to really understand the value of the business, um, to to tell myself that the the egotistical sort of foundation that I thought was HR was very, very wrong and that I needed to go in with a much more open mind into what HR did as well as what HR could be. And I would probably really encourage him to get into the business partner side much, much, much earlier. Okay. Why? I think because after the, the, I think the problem with some advanced degrees is that if, if you don't have an advanced degree with experience, you are mm -hmm. under the impression that the, what you're being taught is kind of the premier level of knowledge. And so I had been only an HR specialist to a generalist when I had gone, got my master's degree. And when I left my master's degree, it was very almost egotistical, like, oh, okay, I know exactly what HR does and what mm -hmm. HR should be. And then two years of experience showed that not only was I so far off, um, but I also needed to unlearn everything that I had learned because it was just very outdated theory. Um, so I needed to actually get real business experience from HR leaders, not HR professors who had never actually done HR work for companies. HR before. Yeah, that makes sense. Thank you for sharing that. Sure. So the biggest question, what is the biggest misconception about HR that really bothers you that you want to set the record straight on right here, right now? Oh, my God. That whole HR is not your friend. They only care about the side of the company. It drives me crazy. It, it oh is. Oh, my goodness. And everyone just like sunk their teeth. In, like, I can't make content. If I, if, I told, if I dare express that HR is not the spawn of Satan and evil, um, I'll always get people saying, you might be fine, but HR sucks. And HR, yeah. like, and 
to, to people like you and I who are experienced professionals in it, we understand this concept makes no sense. Like yeah. everyone is kind of there on behalf of the company. It's why the relationship exists. Mm-hmm. Um, and HR takes so much flack from decisions that are from legal or decisions that are from leadership that like every HR person I know has secretly broken policy to help employees. Um, you know, we, we've blithely looked the other way. We've changed the termination date to make sure someone gets benefits or someone gets COBRA. Um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll find more money and rather than report it, we give it to people as, as our compensation philosophies, like we'll drop some of the hints to help people who may be on the out and out. Um, like every one of us I know is cares so much about our population. We just can't do it individual by individual. You are so right. And so I take, you, you know, are. I take responsibility Absolutely. as an HR professional that we could do a better job of marketing ourselves and communicating. Yes. But I can't stand that, that, that whole HR doesn't care about the employee or HR is not your friend. And yes. that weird binary that doesn't exist. It just drives me crazy. I'm 100% in agreement with you. I remember doing a post on LinkedIn, I think maybe a week ago or two weeks ago, based on a video that someone sent me asking me what were my thoughts on this this attorney who was saying HR is not your friend. If you have a problem, don't go to HR, go to an employment employment attorney immediately. <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> well, of course Without they're going to say that that's your business model. Yeah, like with, and I just thought this is clickbait, people. Please just know that first and foremost, this is clickbait. It's absolutely ridiculous. This is not true. Here's why. And I got so many people responding on that post, just saying, you know, we totally agree with you. HR does so much. And someone, to your point, said there are lots of things that we do. I know there are things I've done in my HR career, you know, that were not in the handbook, but needed to be done. Right. To help someone out, you know, or support people because we really do care about our people and we want them to have the best outcome that they could possibly have in any situation. So I think that it's really important for people to look at these things in context and also know that sometimes when they hear these things, think about why the person is actually saying it, what they've gone through that's made them say that before you actually take it as 100% gospel, you know? I know you're a very busy professional. You're doing lots of different things and you also are taking care of, you know, your home and different things that are happening as a human being on a day-to-day basis. So what do you do to take care of yourself? So it's actually a really good question. And it's something I've had to come to terms with because trying to like, so I've gone back to work full time. I am still consulting with one company for like five hours a week. I'm still doing content creation. I still occasionally take clients who want career coaching or LinkedIn coaching. And Mm -hmm. while trying to design some HRBP resources and Mm -hmm. if, and I live alone and I just moved into a new apartment. Um, I'm sure and, that your cat would be very hurt that you said you live alone. Oh, yes. Yeah, so yeah, other than him, of course. King King runs his apartment. I live alone with the cat. <laughs> uh, the, the cat, the cat, it's the cat's place. He just lets me live here. Mm-hmm. Um, my sister came to visit a little while ago and she noticed that there was no furniture. Like I I the only thing I have is a mattress on a floor, the couch that she bought, and the table that she bought for me as housewarming gifts the middle of November. And she was like, you like, I get, and and I was like, I I don't have time. And every time I sit down and I try to order furniture, I get so overwhelmed by the different choices. I'm like, what if I hate it? And she was like, 
you can't live life like this. Like you can't wake up at 8 a.m. every day and work until midnight on your all your different things without having a home. So she's um, that was like a really good aha moment because I have been here since November 15th. And she's absolutely right. Like I have an old broken desk. I have an old table. I have the, the, the table and couch that she bought me as a housewarming gift and then my bed. Um, so I have committed now to one, making sure that I take breaks during the day um, and not just like a water break, but like go out and leave the house and walk around yeah. and get exercise break as well as uh, she has d- decried Saturday nights to be our hangout night. Um, so to watch TV and gossip and eat bad food and go out to restaurants. So I've actually like, of course, you know, it's, you know, she's, she's trying to escape some of her situation. So it's not totally selfless on her part, but like, that was a good reminder for me to take a little bit better care of myself. So I think that awareness kind of allowed me to say, you know what, let, I'm always going to have work. There's always going to be work to do, but what am I doing to make sure that I'm enjoying life? Exactly. I like that. And, you know, as HR professionals, I think we preach self-care. We preach for our employees to do things to, you know, take care of themselves. But we don't do it for ourselves. No, no, we're terrible at it. We're terrible. (laughs) Absolutely terrible. So I'm glad that you've made that commitment. And I'm going to hold you accountable every once in a while. I'm going to pop up your TikTok and I'm going to ask you, Dan, what did you do this weekend? (laughs) Get off. (laughs) Get out of here. Out of your house. No, I, I would have you. Life, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> no, I Very right good. Now. Awesome. So tell us, what are you reading, watching, listening to right now that you think that our audience would appreciate? Um, you know, I hate to admit this because I think people always are on the hunt for like the next big podcast or the next big HR book. Um, I've honestly been trying to take a break from HR. So I've been watching horror movie recaps on YouTube because I love horror and scary movies. But I don't want to sit and like watch a two hour movie. So I keep watching like the 10 minute recaps. And I feel like I've watched like 15 movies over the last weekend just from I I have it in the background and I'm a big horror Mm -hmm. fan. So honestly, uh, Watch Mojo is there and they do like top 10 lists, like top 10 worst creature monsters, top 10 most suspenseful movies like that. Mm -hmm. That is honestly where I've been spending most of my most of my consumption of of content time. Uh What's the scariest movie you've ever watched? Oh my god! Probably Sinister. Okay. Yeah, that one. That one stayed with me for a while. Sinister and Seven. I I rank as scary movies that stuck with me. Wow. Okay. So what was it about Sinister that stuck with you? Have you seen it? I. Which one is? Is that the one with Jack Nicholson? No, Sinister is the one with um, Ethan Hawke, and he is he's tracking down a serial killer, but uh, the serial killer, the, the, the whole pitch to the movie and why it stood out was that in every case of like the, in each case, there was a family being murdered, but they would watch this old, um, this old eight millimeter film of how the family got murdered. And it was, I mean, it's horrible. And especially like the, there's five different families that he's researching yeah. and some of the biggest scares that I've ever seen. It's a really good movie, but it stuck with me for a while, which I think is a good sign. Okay. Wow. Sinister. Okay. Definitely got to check that out. It doesn't sound like it's super scary. It, I, I, it is. I would go in I, like that, that movie. Like, <laughs> be careful. Be careful. <laughs> okay. Okay, guys. Check out Sinister, but be careful. Yes. Okay. Got it. With that being said, you have survived your time in the sound booth today, Daniel. Thank you so much for being here. Really appreciate it. Tell our audience where they can find you on social media. 
So my biggest butt is Dan from HR on TikTok. I'm trying to grow my Instagram and Twitter. So it's the same handle, but uh, a smaller following. And then Daniel Space on LinkedIn, where I always try to make content that um, if it does not debunk uh, bad myths, at least provides value and context to people on on how everything works from recruiting to promotion, salary to compensation. Every once in a while, I do talk about the HR profession, um, management tools and techniques. And once in a while, I talk about video games and scary movies. (laughs) Thank you so much for sharing that. And I'm sure that our audience will definitely go take a look at your content. Well, thank you. I am so glad that you are here and I wish you every success as you continue to go forward. I am looking forward to, I'm always continuing to follow you and support you. your content. I will be here. I'm here for the long haul. I'm a fan for life. That means so much to me. Thank you. I hope to always be worthy of that. Yes, for sure. So thanks a lot again and we'll see you soon. You have an open door. You're always welcome in the sound booth. Thank you. Thank you again. You're welcome. Thank you for joining me for this episode of HR Sound Off. I hope that you found it useful. You can find this and all of the episodes of HR Sound Off on all major podcast platforms. Spotify, Apple, Amazon, you name it, we're there. Remember, HR Sound Off is created by HR professionals for HR professionals. If you would like to share your story, then reach out to us and let us know. Make sure to hit the notification bell and subscribe to HR Sound Off on YouTube as well as Podbean. And we'll see you again when we next sound off.